Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Recorded live. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Genesis Science Fiction Radio Show, a service of the BlackScienceFictionSociety.com website. This is your December 15, 2017th edition, and a lot of things going on in the news, a lot of things happening. We're coming up to the end of another year. I, I, I really, you know, I didn't think that old people, when they told me that the year's just biased and got older, was true, but it, it kind of is, because it doesn't seem like very long ago when we were all commiserating over a really messed up election. Um, and here we are almost to the end of 2017. One of the things I want to bring out uh, is that the the biggest thing out there right now is the Republican Party's desire to eliminate net neutrality for the Internet. This is, this is something that affects every single person who hears this. This is something that affects you, all of your friends, every aspect, practically every aspect of your life because we're so wedded to uh, network access. So we, we might we might talk about that a little bit. Uh, tonight our special guest is uh, Brandon Danubis Haru Cole. Did I get that right, man? It is Brandon? No, uh, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Anubis is the CEO and founder at the uh, Urban, uh, how do you say that? Arca- Arcan- Arcanum? Arcanum? Arcanum. Yep. Arcanum and Acid of the Gods comic. And for those of who are in the chat room, let me go ahead and drop in the link. And for those of you who are not, you can take a look at his site at um, Acid of the Gods with a Z on the end. Uh, All one word, dot com. So uh, go ahead and check that out. Look at the artwork. Look at the uh, summary. And, uh, you know, get a look at, at, at what talking about um so so how are you doing tonight man i mean overall you know i'm I'm doing excellent man you know i'm I'm really excited to uh be talking to you and just uh this year has been an amazing ride for me you know i can't lie and i'm i'm feeling on cloud nine right now that's good to hear and, and where are you coming to us from tonight i am in the mile high city man denver colorado you know, it's funny. Um, I was there, oh, so many years ago. My sister was probably about four years old or five years old. And you know the steps on the Capitol building? They have one step mm-hmm. where it's inscribed, inscribed one mile up or one mile high. And, and I got a picture of her sitting on that step. Nice. So that's that's kind of cool. The other thing, let, yeah. me, let me tell this story real quick, which will tell you how stupid yeah. I am. Um, one time I was going to visit a friend of mine who was in Colorado Springs, who was, uh, you know, doing that new tornado thing. And and so uh, I flew there, and I flew into Denver, then I transferred, flew into Colorado Springs, went immediately to, I guess it was Avis, and got a brand new Trans Am, you know. 
And I drove uh-huh. out to NORAD, to the mountain, and oh. uh, they, you know, and they called in, and he said he couldn't come out. He'd meet me, gave me the address. They were, I mean, they were real cool about it. They weren't like, you know, who goes there or anything like that. Right. So I thought, man, I said it's been 20 years since I've been to Pikes Peak. Let me go drive up there. So I drove up mm. the mountain, wound up there, got into the parking lot, and, you know, uh, got out of the car. And the next thing I knew, I was kneeling by the back bumper because I had forgotten to breathe more. You know, I, ah. I, had, come, I had come from, I don't even remember where, I think I have been from San Jose, California, and had forgot to breathe deeper. And as soon as I got out of the car and started moving, I passed out. And so one of the one of the park guys like came over. He said, "You okay?" I said, "Yeah, I did something stupid." He said, "You weren't breathing, were you?" I said, "No." He says, "Go on inside, sit down, breathe some air, and get some water." And you know, like within ten minutes, I felt fine. But that was that was my funniest uh, my funniest thing, you know, because it you know it never it never occurred to me, you know. And I was I was in good shape. I was an athlete. But you know, when you don't have oxygen, your body just says, "No, we're we're a little tired. We don't have to take a little nap here until you get some sense." So that was my oh, yeah. my my fun experience. The other thing is, you're in the Mile High City, which is a wheat country, right? Yes, yes. So Mary Jane is legal and recreational now. That's truly excellent. I mean, I uh, I applaud you know the state legislature for you know, stopping that nonsense about people messing around with something that just grows wild, you know, out in the right. woods and what have you. Um, right. You know, uh, you know how many people have died from a marijuana overdose, right? Yeah, man. I, I think it was something around zero or something like that. Yeah, it it, it, it hovers it's right around nothing. zero. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, <laughs> that's that's pretty cool too. Now, have you lived there all your life? Are you a transplant? What's the deal? I am a native, man. Uh, all my life, been in Denver. I did go to Jefferson City, Missouri, in uh, uh, for a college for about a about a year. And okay. uh, Missouri was definitely not my speed, so I hightailed it out of there and came back home, and uh, you know, just did my thing out here. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Is Denver a pretty cool city for us to live in? You know, it is. It, it really is. Sometimes it gets a bad rap, but, you know, people say, oh, there's nothing to do, man. There's plenty of stuff to do out here. You just kind of have to, if you're into the nightlife, of course, you know, club close it too. You know, uh, you got to be a little creative. You know, there's tons of things to do out here. Great place right. to raise a family. Um, you know, public transportation is, you know, uh, it's that's growing. The economy out here, there's Tons of help wanted signs everywhere, uh, from the highest executive positions on down to the janitors. So, um, you know, there's a lot of opportunity here, you know, as far as being able to raise a family and make a living. Uh, the only sure. thing is, you know, ever since Mary Jane came into legislation, somehow cost of living as far as housing has gone up. So, you know, that's one negative kind of negative side effect. But other than that, man, I, I love it here. That now, see, as I sit here and think about that, well, I guess I, you know what? If it, it, basically the changes in in drug policy there 
probably make it a more desirable place to live. And being a more desirable place to live kind of squeezes prices upward. So I, I, I now I you know I can see it now that I think about it. Um, and and when you were growing up, I mean, I, first of all, I, I think you would probably would you do you consider yourself pretty much an an author first or an artist or you know where where do you sit in the pantheon of creators? Um, I started drawing before I started to actually write and formulate stories. Um, okay, so that was kind of my first. Uh, you know, indoctrination into the arts, um, illustrating and tracing and, you know, reading tons of comic books and, you know, wanting to be a some type of creator. Then I was exposed to uh, acting and film. So, you know, that kind of, you know, piqued my interest as well. So, yeah. And Wait, you said you acting in film? Yes, uh-huh. Yeah, I've acted in, you know, since I was in the ninth grade, was in theater productions, little small commercials. Oh, okay, all right, sure. Uh, yeah, yeah, went to film school and all that, so, yeah. I was, no, I, you know, I was momentarily wondering, you know, what blockbuster you had been in. And I don't, I don't say oh, that yeah, exactly. at all. It's just, you know, yeah. The only, <laughs> let's see, the only role or no, the only film I'm in of any note, um, my dad and I are walking behind or way, way down the block in a Sidney Poitier film. I mean, you could barely even tell it. Okay. You can't tell who it is. That's, uh, that was my, my, big, my big film debut. Um, okay, nice. so, you know, as, as an artist, you know, obviously kids, a lot of kids start out doing art. You know, they, they'll, they'll draw their famous favorite comic book heroes or they get into drawing, you know, military hardware, space hardware. Um, some right. some even, you know, they, they do, you know, uh, all kinds of figures. You know, some even create their own um, superheroes. And and so, mm-hmm. like, what was, what was your focus when you were starting out? You know, I was always fascinated with outer space. Okay. Uh, so my my first little, you know, little stick figures and all that kind of stuff were, you know, these tanks fighting these flying saucers and these military guys, you know, and aliens and stuff like that. And they, they were just very cryptic little scenes, you know, like at the bottom of my math page or something like that. I'm supposed to be doing math homework and I'm sitting here drawing these scenes out in my head, you know, what's going on. And, you know, mm-hmm. I really, you know, that's really attributed to my father because he is a major science fiction head and he just loves science fiction, you know, uh, the day the earth stood still, War of the Worlds, those old black and white, you know, films and, uh, you know, with, with a dad like that, you know, he's like, hey, man, you got to watch Aliens. And I'm like, Aliens? I'm like six years old watching Sigourney <laughs> Weavers, you know, running around in the damn, <laughs> you know what I mean? So, yeah. Um, but that, on top of the comic books and, you know, the cartoons and stuff, that just, it just engulfed my mind with imagination and like, whoa, I want to create a world or I wanted to be in their world. And then I kind of, moved into creating 
my own universes uh, later on in life. Sure. Um, and, and were you, did you do any like sci-fi reading, or were you mostly in the visual arts? You know, TV, movies, what have you. Yeah, I did. I, I did a little bit of sci-fi reading. Uh, I don't know if you remember those books where you can actually pick what happens in the story, and then it'll move you to a different part of the book. So it's like you have a choice what happens to the character. There was a few of those that I really enjoyed that were, you know, quote-unquote science fiction. Uh-huh. And then um, um, I'm trying to think what else. Besides, besides comic books, I mean, there's some comic books that are true sci-fi, but a lot of them are just kind of superhero-based. Um, right. But, uh, you know, science fiction, watching, uh, you know, the Star Trek and the Star Wars and Battlestar Galactica and, you know, all those space, you know, driven kind of uh, movies and television shows is what really got me, you know, into that whole science fiction thing. And then also, too, you know, uh, I don't know if you remember that TV show, Sightings. You know, they would talk about some weird paranormal, you know, scare me to death. I wasn't scared of Alien and Predator, (laughs) but when I saw it in Dan Gray's, I was like, oh, my God, who are those dudes? Like, it was terrible. but, yeah. yeah, the TV show that scared the pants off of me was The Outer Limits. And sometimes <laughs> right. episodes of Twilight Zone. But I would watch, see, in our kitchen, we had a black and white TV. We didn't have color TV until I left home. I don't know if that was a message okay. or something. But we had a liquor cart that I could fit underneath with a blanket, you know. And so okay. I would watch The Outer Limits underneath the liquor cart because it would just scare the hell out of me. But I could yeah. not watch. I just couldn't watch one. And, and there was one episode, it was called The Zanty Misfit, that had those uh, moving cooties as the uh, aliens. They looked like cooties with these weird faces with beards yeah, on them. Yeah, dude. I remember dude, that episode. That, I, had, I had nightmares about that, that particular episode periodically. And it got to the point where when one of them showed up in my nightmare, in my dream, I just said, F it, and woke up. You know, I just woke up. I said, no, I do not have to go any yeah. further than this. I'm out of here. So, yeah, I mean, said, no, cool. those, are pretty, those are pretty compelling, you know, in terms right. of, you know, having a young, fertile mind, being able to, right. to kind of see something, you know, see somebody's imagination that is just completely buck wild, you know, compared to yeah. the reality of it. So that that was always yeah. good for me. Now, I mean, I was, I, I never wrote anything. I never drew anything. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed watching science fiction. My dad was a sci-fi um, uh, fan, and he had, he, he had thousands of books from the golden age, you know, from 1930s, okay. 40s, 50s, and I started reading those, and that's how I got into it. But I didn't I didn't nice. write my first story till two thousand nine. No, two thousand one. Okay. Two thousand one. So okay. it didn't it didn't make that much of an impression as an artist, but it was definitely something that I consumed. And and the right. I mean, besides the um the the you know chart your own adventure kind of books, were there certain yeah. authors that you read? You know, not that I can remember. Um, okay. I, I, as an adult, though, um, 
I was exposed to Octavia Butler, and she just took my whole science fiction game and just, like, trashed everything that I had ever imagined and created. Like, I was like, okay, so I'm going to rethink this whole science fiction, you know, whole thing because she, her books, like, just actually the way they were written, like, physically took me into the place where the characters were interacting and the different things were happening. So, um, and I read Octavia Butler's Wild Seed, I want to think, probably around 2001, and I couldn't put it down, and then I read um, Mind of My Mind, um, Pattern Master, Lilith Brood. Like, I've read her whole catalog, you know what I mean? So I was like, all right, so if I'm going to be a science fiction writer or, you know, an author to that caliber, I got to do some, some work. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah, that's that's what kind of led me into film school uh, with an emphasis in writing and directing. And um, once I wrote my first screenplay, I was like, okay, let's let's you know, let's make this thing pop. Mhm, mhm. Um, now, well, did you did you go past her? Did you read more of other authors after her, or? Or did that just set the tone for you and, and kind of really, you know, jackknife your creativity? Yeah, that one, yeah, Octavia Butler kind of, I I was so much of a, uh, so biased and such a fan. Um, I really didn't get into, you know, any other authors. Um, and, and the reason why is because, you know, as, as being a black woman, uh, you know, she was so unique, you know. So I didn't really see any other authors at the time that I was exposed to. Um, mm-hmm. But I'm sure there were plenty of other authors out there. Um, but, yeah, she because she kind of embodied the different type of characters that I wanted to create. So okay. I was kind of like, okay, this is... This is kind of a template for me, if you will, um, you know, and, and then just moving from there. And, uh, you know, she she just uh, really, really was my, my favorite, and, you know, I was just kind of hooked from there. Um, and then was like, all right, so I'm going to create my own style and my own, you know, universes, but I really love the work, the 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 achievements that she, you know, that the strides that she made as an author. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm going to yeah. guess, based upon your affinity for her, that your work is also fairly character-driven. And, and not Absolutely. what you call space opera or, you know, hard sci-fi, but, you know, but in the realm of of people doing small, medium, and epic things. Would that be fair? Yes. That is absolutely spot on. And and so let's talk about, you know, the very, very first time you set out to do, you know, to write something, you know, more or less commercially, mm-hmm. because, 
you know, let's be honest, we all want to write, I think we all write for other people to read us. You know, otherwise we'd be doing a diary, right? Right, exactly. <laughs> and, and, and so exactly. When, you set, when you set out to put your, together your first story, what were some of the main conceptual considerations that, that you faced um, to, to get, it, get it off the ground? The, the main things for me was I'm, I'm a history buff. Um, uh-huh. So studying ancient history and different cultures uh, always have intrigued me. Uh, so, you know, reading about Gilgamesh and, you know, the Vermanas and, you know, those different ancient technologies that we don't know about. They're so mysterious. Did they exist? Did they not exist? So I wanted to create uh, a universe or just a world where we saw a civilization or, you know, several civilizations or uh, within a planet, uh, several cultures, and, uh-huh. and they would be melanated people. Uh, they would be some of them to the highest antiquity. Some of them would be, you know, using Mother Nature. Some of them would be using spiritual aspects in their culture. Um, some would be warlike and very combative. So in, in, in creating these, this world, you know, I really had to figure out what are some what are some things that I could really draw from as far as historical, you know, what are, you know, what are some of the things that actually happened in reality in history that I mm-hmm. could you know, draw inspiration from. So, you know, I studied for about 10 years um, studying ancient cultures and that sort of thing, particularly uh, many African cultures, um, you know, within Egyptian and uh, Bantu, Yoruba, Igbo, South African, you know, with the Zulus and all that kind of stuff. So, it, it, it was such a rich culture, um, or rich history, should I say, and so many cultures and subcultures within that continent. And then when I realized that many of the cultures and nations on planet Earth, you know, had a influence from melanated people somehow, some way. So okay. I was like, okay, that this is going to be a nice size undertaking. So what I didn't want in Acid of the Gods in particular is I didn't want my characters uh, performing combat in an Asiatic way, right? Uh, I studied uh, martial art since about 2003 to about 2011. And, you know, what I learned in that martial art, it was a Pan-African martial arts system called Kupigana and Gumi. And Kupigana and Gumi means to use the, to use the body as a fist. Uh, we spoke in uh, Kiswahili terms. Uh, we studied, you know, uh, different African traditions and footwork, dance work. The weaponry was in, you know, uh, Kiswahili. So, you know, it was a very rich uh, cultural education that I got. 
And so the system of fighting that we used also had subsystems within that. So I said, okay, yeah, I, I, I've got some rich authenticity to, you know, this story that I'm building. So all the while, you know, I'm while I'm training and bleeding and sweating and, you know, getting, <laughs> you know, <laughs> going through it, like really, really going through it, the system, you know, I'm thinking to myself, okay, I can incorporate this. I can incorporate that. I can incorporate these things so that, you know, it just has that authenticity because, you know, we would some authors are challenged based on you know oh well that really can't happen in the realm of physics or that really can't happen in this or historically that's not accurate so i really took my time uh you know to create something that has some level of authenticity and not everything is some things are completely you know made up from from my brain but you know other things have you know references you know that i that i like to use you know real things yeah so let me play devil's advocate for a second if you don't mind and and really this is not this is not from a combative situation at all but i'm I'm just intellectually curious um yes everything no let me start back the basis for how you create your universe and probably how you populate the characters and everything else is based upon, you know, like you said, melanated peoples in our past. You know, our deep mm-hmm. that's the basis. You know, similarities, features, uh, facts, um, what have you. Um, it, obviously, that appears to be very important to you. Do you mm-hmm. ever worry about the possibility that writing in that genre and in that creative space might reduce the 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 you know the your readership you know the kinds of people mm-hmm. who are going to pick up and look at your work and and I I ask you that because it, it's part creative it's part internal who you are. But but let's be mm-hmm. honest, we we do want people to buy our works and read them and spread them around. So, absolutely. So you, you created, you know, your creative universe. Was that part of the calculation, you know, in in formulating how you were going to move forward as as a storyteller? Yeah. Um, for this particular story, mm-hmm. um, I did think about it because let I mean, let's be honest. You know, we we want to be able to monetize our creativity in, in, in some way. So with that, um, I had to really figure out is, is this going to, is this particular project going to be able to, um, move forward based on the fact that it's, you know, a, a, a universe that, we've never seen before as far as all melanated characters within the American sci-fi and, 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 you know, fantasy realm, right? You, you know, you got mm-hmm. middle earth and third earth and, 
you know, all these other Earths, but rarely do we see those dark-skinned, melanated characters in a specific light that you and I would be able to say, ha, I dig that. So, no, I, 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 I absolutely thought about that, but I felt like I have to at least attempt to make a story so compelling and so uh, something that would draw people in that it wouldn't matter, okay? And and as, because I started writing it in 2005, and the Internet was just kind of really popping, and, you know, it, 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 it was developing, you know, a, a lot further with, you know, YouTube and social media and all that kind of stuff. So oh, yeah. I, I had no idea <clears throat> it would be what it is today. So now I have fans in Indonesia, um, fans in Ghana, Nigeria. So it's more of a global fan base that I have, more so than in the States, um, mm-hmm. because of the characters, what they look like and who they look like and, you know, that sort of thing. So, right. But I tell you, man, I there's a lot of people that, you know, do not look like me or, you know, um, are, you know, are, are sensitive to, well, I, I mean, I don't know, but, you know, a lot of different people from all walks of life have purchased my book either at a Comic-Con or, you know, a vending opportunity or, you know, just on the website. And right. that's really cool, you know. Um, but, you know, we see that Black Panther is coming out in February. Right. So with that being a 98% African and African American cast, and that the story is so compelling and so interesting, you know, I think it's going to draw audiences from around the world into that realm and say, hey, this is different from what we were told or what we've seen previously, you know, as far no, as I- what the media has portrayed. So yeah, you're um, you're right. I, I think we're in a great we're in a great time, you know. No, yeah, I think I think you're right. Okay, we have a number of things that have happened in the past three years. We found um, we found a study. I mean, no, we didn't find it, but a study, a fairly prominent study, was done that showed that movies with diverse casts make mo- make more money. Okay, right. So so mm-hmm. obviously. The inclusion is pretty important for we going public. We've watched uh what's the other one I always talk about? Oh yeah, we've watched how Luke Cage broke broke Netflix. Yeah. You know, Net, Netflix was down for two days because of Luke Cage. And see so you can't blame that on thirty two million black folks. Right. Exactly. You know, here in this country. That's that was obviously right. a worldwide phenomenon. So yeah, mm-hmm. I mean I the and the reason why I ask you is because I'll tell you an experience I had. I was uh, I I uh, was the moderator for the Afrofuturism um, discussion at Worldcon in uh, Kansas City last last year. Okay. Nice. And so and but something an older white man asked. You know, uh, and he I mean he looked sixty. Man, no, see, I can't even say older. 
with my old ass self anymore. So anyway, this older <laughs> this this guy he asked he was just being entirely honest and he was being very forthcoming, and he said, mm-hmm. you know, if if I'm gonna read these black based stories, you know, and and get into you know this kind of genre, how much of black culture do I have to understand in order to enjoy the story? And I actually mm. stopped short because I had never, ever, ever thought that that would be a consideration. Um, right. And, and and so after a couple seconds, I said, okay, uh, uh, show of hands here. How many of you people knew about the Navi before you saw Avatar? Mm. And they all laughed because they got it. You know, if it's right. a telling story and, and things are woven in that are consistent and, you know, memes are common enough, and people go, oh, I, I hate using common memes. And I go, oh, so you like endless exposition, huh? So, you know, if right. there's, if people can pick that up, right. um, I, I'm wondering how the, uh, you know, how, how, how do you get people to make that crossover if they have the same kind of mindset? You know? Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. You know, it's it's the same thing as you know watching Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, or you know, The Last Samurai. I mean, yeah, there were some you know Anglo characters within within Last Samurai, but I didn't have to know a ton about Japanese culture and samurais and ninjas to be drawn into the story, like. Crops and Tiger, Hidden Dragon, I didn't have to know specifically the little subtle nuances about their culture to appreciate that piece of work. So right. I, I, it kind of, I'm not sure where that thought process comes from, where you have to know about these things. It's like, no, like when you watch the project or you, you engulf yourself into the story, then it's giving you an education on something other than what you've seen, you know, in your 60 years. Um, right. So, yeah, it's... it's well, uh, yeah, but there's, there is, obviously there is a threshold. You know, there, there are certain people out there who, you know, let's be honest, when we find authors we like, like you did with Octavia Butler, you know, uh-huh. you want to yes, keep sir. reading stuff that you like, you know, and, and right. familiar. Right. Um, so, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's like that, you know, and Mm -hmm. so getting people to try something new, you know, there, there's a certain lift. Sometimes it's a heavy lift. Sometimes it's a light lift, but the lightest lift is when they meet you in person. And, you know, obviously you're going to be the best salesperson for your own work, you know? Right. Um, so that's kind of cool. Um, and when you do that, um, you get that, you get that immediate feedback, you know, because people will tell you, oh, I like the idea or whatever. What are, what are some of the things, you know, you mentioned that you, you, I think you mentioned that you had been to some of these, um, conventions. What kind of feedback do you get? From people when you when you just give them the lowdown on what it is that you've written. Um, I you know it's it's a mix. 
um, some people are really excited, obviously, um, because it's a it's a world that you know that's that's in my imagination, and I'm you know bringing it to life. Um, some people are saying, "Ha, ah, that's 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 really cool." Um, some people are kind of like, "Well, tell me about the story. Tell me about your characters." And then once I can explain, you know, what the protagonist, you know, antagonist, you know, everything that's going on, and I can tie it into something going on and related to today, then they're kind of like, ah, okay. I I normally, I don't have a problem, you know, selling books, you know, when, no, I'm, I, I, when I'm in front yeah. of them. Yeah. I didn't. I didn't want to make it sound like it was a trial, but I mean, everybody right. has to be their own best salesperson. <laughs> yeah, um, absolutely. Have do you have an elevator pitch that together mm-hmm. to describe your your series? You know, your your works. Um, can, right. can you give us your your quick twenty thirty second pitch? Mm-hmm. Oh, you want to hear my thirty-second pitch? Or yeah, pitch? absolutely. No, absolutely, okay. because you know, other people who are new don't realize right. that this is probably one of the most important phrases, the important marketing things that they are going I to see. to be able to have in their arsenal. Okay, the okay. fact of the matter That's... is that that if you can't grab somebody's um, attention that quickly. Mm-hmm. Then, oh yeah. Then, then, then you're not going to get them interested. So, I mean, have you come up with yeah. yours? Oh yeah, I'm ready to go. Go hit it. The world is falling apart. A massive horde of genetically created beings have systematically invaded the globe. A young prince and four unlikely heroes must race against time to find an ancient artifact to bring the world back into balance. At the same time, weather anomalies are starting to show up and devastate the planet as well. Will they be able to make it in time? Find out in Acid of the Gods. That's pretty cool. Okay, that's long, but it's cool. Right. (laughs) um, Okay, I'm just going to – you want to hear mine? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, and and it took me it took me months and months to refine this down because you know you want to make it quick. Um, the Dark Side trilogy tells the story of what happens in America when the country finds out that African Americans have been secretly living on the backside of the moon since before Neil Armstrong got there. Nice. That's it. That's the long Very cool. and the short of it. You know, so yeah, yeah. Um, it, you know, and 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 a lot of people don't understand the marketing, you know, that that they have to do because You're when right. you write a book, when you do a comic book, when you do artwork, you know, you are essentially becoming an entrepreneur. Yes. You know, so absolutely that that that's something that. Uh, hopefully people catch on early on because you just don't know. You know, you don't know when you're going to be 
you could and and actually you could be in the elevator. You could go to like uh, Onyx Con. And mm-hmm. you could be walking out, and somebody goes, hey, what do you do? And you go, well, uh, blah, 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 blah. And they go, man, that is cool. Do you, uh, do you have, like, uh, do you have an agent, you know? Or has right. somebody optioned this for TV or a movie or whatever? Right. You keep going, you know, you just don't know. And that's how it is. People, people check out these, these um, conventions looking for, you know, looking for for content because content oh, content is king. All right, you know, I I I feel, I'm I'm a little I'm happy because a couple months ago I had my first inquiry about uh, the the TV and movie rights to Dark Side. So you know that I mean wow. obviously something like that doesn't happen overnight. You know, and you don't right. get you don't get people you know say hey, uh, hey, hey we got a checkbook. How how big a check do you want us to write? But but the fact <laughs> that people are well, no, I mean the fact that people are noticing it in that in that perspective is like pretty cool, you know. Right. Um, but 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 you know the part about getting your work about the background noise, I think, is a universal challenge for anybody starting out or just a few years in. Um, in in terms of, you know, your work, do you have kind of like a, a marketing plan that you started out with that you're following? Or you, you also mentioned, you know, in 2005, obviously, we didn't have the sophistication and the breadth of social media that we have today, which is a big, big, big way of doing mm-hmm. things for, for not so much money. Right. Um, do you have a plan that you're following right now, or are you? I mean, like me, are you feeling your way forward to see what might work and what's most effective? Yeah, so we're in the. I mean, we we have a marketing plan, um, but mm-hmm. we're we're kind of tailoring everything to you know what's going to work best for this particular project. Um, one of the things that we came across is, you know, whenever I would do a speaking engagement at the library in front of kids, um, I would always sell out of books, and it would be because parents would want the books not only for themselves but for their kids. So it was unintentional, but families wanting to read a comic book together, not only because, you know, the characters reflect them somewhat, but it also is for literacy and and family time and, you know, to get away from the TV. So we've kind of tailored our marketing to uh, the family as a a demographic as a whole. So, you know, we're in the process of, you know, tailoring our, you know, flyers and, and ads and things like that, you know, to that aspect. So it's, we're, we're just kind of, for this particular project, you know, we're, we're testing the waters. We're doing different things, but um, it, it's tough because when you're the creator and you're managing artists and you know all these different things, you know you wear so many hats. Some things you might miss, and then you got to say, okay, that wasn't good. You know that as far as the results. So let's try this now. So um, yeah. But we've definitely been fortunate, um, you know, to have a 
much exposure as we've had, I, I really believe 2018 is going to be um, a very, very good year because, uh, you know, we're ready. We have a product. Um, we have, you know, more than one issue that we'll be able to offer. Um, uh-huh. I, I have a solid, solid team, um, you know, that's doing the artwork and, uh, you know, I'm hungry, man. You know, I got, my wife has flight <laughs> benefits. So, you know, if I got to hop on a plane, you know, then, then it's good. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, and, and so when you, um, man, I had a great question. Of course, uh, you know, listening to you, I forgot about it. Um, well, it'll come back to me anyway. When, when you think in terms of, uh, just one of the okay. Let me tell you what I'm doing. I'm trading on the cult of personality to get more attention to my writing. And what I mean by that is, you know, okay, obviously I do this show, um, probably because I'm the only person, in, uh, the only black person in the United States of America who will give up every Friday night to do this show. Um, you know, with my either dumbass or smartass self. I'm not sure whether it's I haven't made up my mind yet, but okay. So I do the show. I have all these podcasts on uh, on file, and I go to the major um, the the major conventions or a couple major conventions. I've I've gone to two, and I I wouldn't go to any if it hadn't been for Jarvis. Jarvis pushed me. He pushed me into yeah. going, to, you know, because I said, forget that. I am not going to no damn place carrying, you know, uh, 80 pounds of books, sell books at a table. But it was so much more than that. And I didn't even bring books the first one. But by showing up at these things and moderating high-profile discussions, and I'm going to try to see if I can maybe do some emceeing of the Hugo Awards this year in San Jose. Or no, next year in San Jose. I keep thinking it's the 2019. But And then when people see me, when people hear me, if they find me personable, if they find me funny, interesting, what have you, then they're going to do some research into what I do and find all the works that I have, and then they'll buy my books. Okay? Right. Rather than trying to go and somehow, you know, it, when, I, when I first started out, 2009, you know, I was selling books out of my car. Okay? You know, and, and that that's, that's a very, very hard way to try to make money and a hard way to try to sell your book. So what right. I want to do is I want to exploit the cult, the cult of personality in order to get people um, familiar with who I am as a person. And, and so, I, you know, it seems to be going well. I'm getting more invitations. I'm getting people paying for me to go places, which is great. Um, oh, yeah, man, that's awesome. And, but... But again, you know, I'm I'm not a New York Times bestseller, and may never become one. Or, or worse yet, this will piss me off if I become a good, a, a great New York Times, you know, bestseller. After I'm dead, I will be pissed. But right, right. Will I know? You know. But yeah. so, you know, you know, along the lines of what you were talking about, about you know, having to you know, both of us talking about being an entrepreneur, you know, it, it, it's incumbent upon us to somehow figure out how to get, get above the background noise. Um, you talk about we and us. Is it, do you have a team or is it you and your wife? You've mentioned her. 
a couple of times. Mm-hmm. Um, how, yeah. how many people do you have kind of going forward helping build, you know, the, the kind of, uh, you know, the hopeful early empire that you're building? Yeah. Yeah, man. My wife is definitely a, uh, a major component and, um, you know, a reason as to why I've been able to go so far. Um, but as far as the, the creative side, um, there's three gentlemen uh, that, um, that are, you know, I'm working with currently um, on my team. And the first gentleman, his name is Ryan Best, and he's out of uh, South Carolina. Uh, am- amazing artist, man. Just, uh, you know, his his work really just kind of speaks for itself. And then uh, he's doing the pencils and inks currently uh, for this next issue. And then okay. Leonard Anderson out of Jacksonville, Florida. And uh, Leonard and I, we just, we met on Facebook and I really liked his, his work and I wanted to work with him, so I said, hey, man, you know, what What are your rates for, you know, pages? And, um, you know, he was, he gave me his rate, and I said, all right, I'd, like, I'd love to work with you. But actually, he had actually heard about Acid of the Gods and was like, yo, I'm seeing what you guys are doing, man. I'm, I'm loving what I'm seeing. So, mm-hmm. you know, we talked for quite a bit before I, you know, propositioned him, you know, to do some work uh, for the book. And then the next gentleman is out of um, he's out of Texas, and he's an, also a, an amazing author, uh, Eric uh, Mizell, and uh, you know he's a good dude, man. We just we bounce ideas back and forth, and uh, he's my editor. So him being an author, you know he's he's got a great eye for for detail as far as you know, dialogue and, and, you know, continuity and those things. So, you know, those those three gentlemen, man, are, are really holding down the uh, the Acid of the Gods, you know, brand. Okay, so, I mean, and, and you're finding it, you know, it sounds like your team works well together. Is that fair to say? Yes. Okay, cool. Um, because a lot of people, you know, go it alone. Um, I have found a number of creatives who are very protective of their intellectual property. You know, yes. and they want to they want to keep it strictly to themselves. They don't want it getting out in the wild. They you know they they have a, a genuine fear of somebody stealing their work. Um, uh-huh. I'm not you know in in many ways I'm not exactly sure how legitimate that fear is. But it's but it's out there. It's out there. You never know when somebody's going to do you dirt because that's just the nature of the right. world we live in. Um, yeah. When 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 you think about your work, um, it sounds like first of all, it sounds like the level of detail that you put in there and the level of uh, research and scholarship is a little bit prohibitive for your average thief on the street. You know. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, let's be honest. Thieves are lazy. These take what they think they can take easily and without a whole lot of trouble in order to quickly profit. It doesn't sound like that's that's a concern of yours. Um, and and let me ask you this: how how much? I mean, I know you went through all of the uh, the trials and tribulations of, and I'm doing the air quotes, researching, um, mm-hmm. unquote, 
uh, at the very beginning. Uh, as you go along, do you do you have to still do more research for your body of work, or are you fairly, you know, are you fairly tuned up in terms of, you know, where you get your your creative primitives from? You know, your creative, yeah. you know, the the, the features. Yeah. No, that's a, that's a great question. Um, when I originally started formulating Acid of the Gods, I was actually recovering from a brain tumor. Um, mm-hmm. So I was in the hospital for about 90 days just reading and, you know, just soaking up information, trying to reconnect on neural pathways, right? So right. I developed an absolute love for researching and finding out more information. Because the more references I have, I feel like I am able to add more depth to my story and my characters. And you know what? Sometimes it's funny. It's almost the opposite in in some instances where I'll write something and I'll say, huh, I don't know, man. I I, got to go back and research that to see if that's actually possible or feasible or, you know, if that's you know, tangible. You you know what I mean? And I'll go yeah, back within the realm of reality or or, right. or or even culturally consistent. Right. Exactly. And I kid you not, so many times I would be spot on. So I'm like, all right, this is crazy, you know. So um it's it's interesting, but I always constantly research because my thing is this, even if it's not for Acid of the Gods. Right. It could be for some other project. And I'll put that information in the back of my brain, and then when it's time to write the other projects that, you know, I'm working on, then I don't have to do, you know, a ton of research because I've already done it. So I, I got this crazy catalog. I'm a Virgo. Like, I, I catalog information, and, you know, I bring it out when I need to. So. Um, it's just really interesting how that happens. Well, that's just smart. I mean, that's working. That's working smart, not hard. You know. Right. Um, now, you you mentioned, of course, you're doing this. You you've got other projects ahead. You know that yes. that it sounds like yes, they have some similar elements, but they're from a different creative universe. Um, do you want to do you want to let us know a little bit about those and when we might be able to expect to see them come out? Uh, you know, uh, after you know after after the work that you've got now, um, mm-hmm. you know, in the in the asset of the God series. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I I I really love westerns, okay. aside from you know the science fiction. Uh, so I've, I'm working with, uh, Eric, my editor, and we're developing a project, uh, about a character and, um, you know, he's, he's definitely going through some major things and it's within the, uh, you know, like the Alabama South, you know, um, you know, he's transitioning from, you know, slavery and that kind of thing. Um, 
but uh, it's not a science fiction per se, uh, but it has okay. some very uh, supernatural elements to it. So um, that one I'm working on with Eric. And then another one that I'm developing uh, just on my own um, is kind of like a uh, detective story. Um, a guy has, you know, abilities. So basically it's uh, uh, a gentleman has a brain tumor that is giving him extraordinary abilities. But yeah, it's a terminal I, I wonder, illness. I wonder where you got the idea for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. So, you know, and you know what? It's What's funny, I, I, I love the element of, special abilities and powers and things like that, because I grew up watching X-Men and all that kind of stuff, reading that stuff. But sure. I, I really don't like how science or special abilities cannot be explained. You know, I, I don't like the fact that Storm can control the weather, but science doesn't know how it's done. Or Cyclops can shoot lasers from his eyes, but, you know, we don't know how that happens. Yeah, what's the, what, 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 what's the basis for that since it's obviously not science? And you know what bothers right. me about Storm, just, just between you and me? Don't tell anybody I said this, okay? Um, okay. Why, why, why didn't she turn Africa into a luxurious green continent before she came over uh, to, to the U.S. and started messing around? You know what I'm saying? That, I'm just saying, you know. And exactly. Exactly. I, I, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, you know, um, with within Acid of the Gods, each character's abilities, uh, you know, they have some basis as, as right. to why they can do these things. You know, I didn't want to just say, oh, well, he could fly. No. My characters in Acid of the Gods, they don't wear capes. You know, they, you know they're just, they're, they're, they don't wear tights. You know, it's it's very rooted in the realm of, you know, just different cultures and different things. And, you know, as I was reading uh, Octavia Butler's work and her character in Wild Seed was able to, you know, shapeshift and she was a healer and all these other things. I mean, those are that's folklore from, you know, Yoruba and and the Bantu and and those different stories. So, sure. you know, we I I want to get back to, you know, there there it's such a rich culture of mythology and these different things, and you know, I really think the world can can benefit from, you know, hearing and seeing these stories come to life. You know, sure. it, it's no different than what the Chinese do with their, you know, kung fu movies or, you know, the Japanese do with their anime and their different stories. They incorporate actual people into, you know, their legends and mythology and their films and manga and all that kind of stuff. So it's it's well, really and, interesting. And there's realistic corporate Excuse me, not corporate. What am I thinking? There's realistic cultural aspects to the stories they tell. They're embedded in the culture. And and that, you know, first of all, that makes it familiar. Second of all, you know, it's 
it, it becomes more of a fantasy when you go ahead and and put together a story like that because it is a little bit more helpful for people to be able to suspend disbelief when it's something they're familiar with. Right. Exactly. Uh, um, all right. So now we're about halfway through here. Um, the, the thing that I'm kind of curious about is you mentioned you've got someone who does your artwork and you've got an, an inker and uh, did you say you have a colorist too? Yeah, so Ryan is the colorist and the inker, and then uh, Leonard does the coloring. Okay. And, and is, is, are these mostly, you know, I can't exactly tell from our website, but are, mm-hmm. but are we looking at, uh, are we looking at, you know, kind of like, uh, are, are your, do you have graphic novels, or are you mostly... I mean, it also looks kind of like the comic book genre, too, when you look at the Acid of God's prologue, you know, cover that you have here. Um, mm-hmm. where, right. What, 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 I'm, let me know, because I admit, I, I'll be honest with you, I didn't know about you before this week. Um, where mm-hmm. where do you sit in that in that kind of uh, genre? Or which genre? You know, yeah, so I, I, I kind of go for comic book for this particular project. And um, the reason why is because, you know, I want my audience from, you know, say age 10 to, you know, 50 to really kind of get into it. Um, I think if if the issues are too long, uh-huh. Like a graphic novel is pretty long, you know, then, then my younger audience may, you know, taper off because, you know, we're into that, oh, you know, sure. instant yeah. gratification kind of thing. So um, I think for this particular project, because the the demographic is wider than the other two projects, I'm, I lean towards comic book for, you know, Acid of the Gods. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And having it a, a accessible to kids is not a bad idea. I mean, uh, first right. of all, what it does is it gets them reading them. And second of all, yes. what you're doing is you're kind of building your audience and maintaining your audience so as they grow, you know, they can still continue on, you know, which is, which is exactly. why fewer and fewer people are reading these days. Exactly. And, and yeah, I man. think your point about um, having, having a long you know, a longer book or something like that, I think you're right. You know, that's, it's going to be harder to get an audience for that. Mm-hmm. And that's, and that's yeah. why, that's one of the reasons why I'm looking forward to when Dark Side is either turned into a miniseries or a series of movies, because that will make the work more accessible to uh, a, newer, a newer audience and it will also it, it'll drive book sales too because there're going to be people who go oh, right. that movie was either A or B either good or bad you know i wonder what the source material was really like you know is this japanese bro hayashi uh, is he a real writer mm-hmm. or was that just crap you know so so that'll be good too um yeah have you thought about possibly transitioning 
your universes to like uh, like Earth Squadron, 3D animation, like either a movie or episodes or something like that. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. You know, it's interesting you mentioned that. I I I can talk about it now, but I had a development deal um, on the table um, maybe about three or four months ago, and okay. uh, you know, it's. You just kind of have to go through the process. You, you're looking at the contract. You know, you want to see it become something, but you're looking at your intellectual property because that's really what it is, you know, and you're imagining, okay, how is this going to play out, you know? Um, how, how looking at this contract, how are you going to um, – how are you going to still maintain creative control and maintain, you know, the rights to, you know, merchandise and, and, and all these different things, you know. Sure. So it's a big thing, you know, and, and some people go into it because somebody's slashing, you know, some money or a check or, or whatever, Um and and people don't normally read the contracts that they're signing. I mean, this is this is what Prince went through. This is what Michael Jackson went through. You know, contracts are 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 they're heavy, man. And and you have to be mindful of what it is that you're signing your intellectual property and signing that away to. So, um, thankfully, I have I have an amazing. Yeah. Go ahead. No, I'm just gonna say. Thankfully, I have an amazing uh, attorney and, and manager, and uh, you know he's he's looking out for me, man. Uh, shout out to Lamont, uh, Mr. Lamont Smith. He's 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 uh he's gonna put us on the map, and I'm I'm really excited because having that representation and having someone looking out for you as the artist, now I don't have to stress about you know, are, are people going to try to, you know, take advantage of me as much, you know, when right. somebody else to that caliber is, is, is has got my back. So I, I'm very thankful and very lucky that uh, that is the case for myself. Yeah, yeah. And the other, the other part about it is, you know, sometimes they'll offer you such a lucrative deal, you know, for, for that option. You know, or or for you know getting yes. those rights, that right. it's tough to turn it down. I'll, I'll be honest with you. If somebody held a ten million dollar check in front of me and said, "Well, we want to obtain the rights for Dark Side, mm-hmm. but you but you get no further input. You know, we we obtain right. whatever we want with it. You know, I I, mm-hmm. I would have to think about, it. but I wouldn't think long right. because I could retire on ten million dollars and. The other exactly. cool thing is I just always write more. Right. Yeah. You know, and, and that, that's something that you know that that would be okay with me. And and if they mess mm-hmm. it up, it's gonna be on them. People aren't gonna blame me. They're gonna read the book and go, Hey, how come you took this story and trashed it? You know, right. Sony or yeah. or Paramount or yeah. whoever. You know, that's going to be that's gonna be the bottom line. It's not gonna be well well. You didn't write anything that was worth it. I'll go, well, it must have been worth something. They optioned it, didn't they? Yeah. So, yeah, now, 
Now, you know, another thing that people who have to confront these issues, a lot of them don't do is a lot of them don't get good legal representation. It sounds like you've got somebody mm-hmm. who's going to help you out. Um, yeah. You know, so so that's 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 obviously you've you've already laid the groundwork of doing smart things. Um, do you have uh, do do you have a plan in place, or or are you just taking it as it comes? Because you know, if somebody offers to take your property off your hands, that's a big decision. Mm-hmm. Yes, it, it is a major decision, and, and that's kind of the reason why I've got some other irons in the fire. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Be, because I can say, okay, I I I raised this baby to be this, and now it's someone else's, you know, turn to take that and, and do what what they want with it. But, you know, when you have representation and you have um, someone looking at the contracts, the negotiations are a lot, you know, I wouldn't say easier, but, you know, it's, uh, you have more power, you know, to And you're say. less likely, you're less likely to be taken advantage of. Right, exactly. So, like I said, it's just, I would encourage anyone who's serious about their intellectual property, even if they're not looking to, you know, uh, have an option on the table or anything like that. And, I mean, you never know. I mean, I, I look at how how the Avatar: The Last Airbender was absolutely trashed as a film. You know, that amazing story, amazing cartoon, amazing work was just—it was just—it just wasn't the same. So, right, and, and you hate to see that, but. I mean, if they paid those those guys uh, a nice little check, I mean, you know, well, there's a it lot is of what it is. Happened. Yeah, what was yeah. the what was the Ghost of the Shell? You know, first of all, there was the oh, issue my, of whitewashing, yeah. and then there was, right. you know, you know, they they wanted to turn it into a special effects tour de force, and and, right. and you know, there's no special effects that are going to make a bad story or a bad rendering of a story good. Okay. Absolutely. You know, eventually yep. these these comic book movies are going to realize that. You know, you look at what was the the big one where that the Avengers were fighting the uh, the alien robots in the city, and the city was being completely trashed. You know, or or how about how yeah. about Superman and and Zod? You know what they did to Metropolis? I mean, how many people did they kill? Right. <laughs> You know, and, and so you're going, okay, yeah, so, yeah, so we, got all these, we got all these buildings falling down. We got all these explosions. Batman versus Superman. Okay, that, uh, that, uh, that, that monster. At least they were kind of fighting in an industrial area that was fairly deserted. But no amount yeah. of super, you know, you know, special effects are going to cover up for a bad story. And, and right. yeah, Ultron, someone put in there, Age of Ultron. Yeah, and, and see, the thing is, is that, you know, at at our core, people who are the creatives, people who are the writers, are responsible for putting together the the stories. And then once the stories are put together, then someone else comes along and goes, "Ooh, this is a great story. Let me give them some money so I can crap it up." You know, and then right. you just you, you just shake yeah. your head. Um, yeah. When you think, yeah, and and so mm-hmm. go ahead. 
No, I was just going to say to your point, you know, when I was in film school, you know, they, they taught us that, listen, if you get a terrible shot, there's no fixing that in post-production, dude. Like, you got to get that money shot. <laughs> That's You true. know what I mean? Or, entirely true. Or, or, or it's going to be, your audience is going to see that. So I, I try to create with the end in mind, and I fill in, you know, the meat of the story, you know, as I go along, but I always know exactly how I want the story to end. So, um, yeah, and, that's and, just... and there's nothing you can do. You know, you mentioned that, you know, I've, I've, I produce films and I, I'm a screenwriter and, and there's nothing, you know, there's sometimes when things are just out of your hands, you know, they are just mm-hmm. flat out out of your hands. Um, yeah. and, and, and you just, you have to sit there, you shake your head, go, damn, I don't have another $8,000 to reshoot this day. We're just going to have to do what we can do, you know. Um, Yeah. Uh, Now, tell me a little bit about your film school experiences. Did you get to to write anything that got made? Yeah, I did. Um, I mean, this was the first semester that I was in film school. I had a guy named Gary Blair who was my editing instructor. And the first project was to create a silent film. So okay. at the time, I was working uh, – my, my mentor had a watch company that he was building from the ground up. And what I did was I said, okay, you know, I'm going to make this kind of a, a project themed around his, you know, pro- product – and uh it was it was funny man it was just uh it was about a guy who really wanted this watch so bad that he put on a ninja outfit and stormed the warehouse uh to get one not knowing that the CEO and president uh was there you know and they didn't battle it out but you know he ended up giving the guy a watch because you know he went through all this trouble to get one so that sure. was the first sure. one yeah, so it was it was just kind of funny. The next one was kind of like a little romantic movie about a guy who wanted to propose to his girlfriend, but mm-hmm. um, the whole city basically was starting to uh, get wind of it because one person told another person and told another person, and uh, he was listening to the radio, and... Uh, I think the radio host did like a shout out to him <laughs> on the radio about him proposing to his girl. So he was like, Oh, come on, man. So it was kind of funny, but, uh, those were the only two that I, you know, was able to produce while in film school, but out of film school, um, there's some other short films that I've been able to produce. Uh, they're on my YouTube page. And, um, my son and I were, we acted in a music video, uh, in February um, which was a lot of fun here in Colorado. Uh, the artist's name is uh, Jacob Banks, and he's out of the U.K. Uh, mm-hmm. by Nigeria. But uh, it was a really, really amazing experience. And my son is hes the same age I was when I got my first little taste of acting. So it was really, it, it, you know, seeing that, I was like, wow, this stuff comes full circle, you know. So, um What's uh, what's, I enjoy uh, what's, what's the name of your YouTube channel? 
because I'm going to pop the, uh, the the link into the chat room. It How do is, find uh, you? Yep, it's just under Urban Arcanum. Uh, A-R-K-A-N-U-M. One word? Uh, it's, I believe it's a space, Urban and then Space Arcanum. Okay. Yeah, so I think there's a music video I directed. Oh, yeah, there it is. And then oh, another one called. There. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, my son's six, first six, film was uh, six more than twenty-three dollars an hour. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so you know, let's have fun, man. You know, I, if if I get a chance to do some stuff in Hollywood, man, that's great. You know, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. But if not, I still love making movies and just being creative. You know? Uh huh. Uh-huh. Yeah, I've got I have feature films in me. One is a, a comedic bank heist movie, and the production trailer for that is on my channel on YouTube. And the other one is an urban adaptation of Dickens's Christmas Carol. And, nice. and you know how Bob Cratchit was, you know, working in uh, as an accountant, and you know uh, Scrooge didn't uh, didn't heat up the office very much, blah, blah, blah. Right. I have right. I have a, a black and a Latino contingent working at an outdoor car wash in the middle of winter because I couldn't think of any more miserable oh. jobs than that. Yeah, man, uh, that's terrible. That sounds so, very interesting. I definitely would like to check that out. Yeah. Yeah, one of these days. I mean, you could, you could see the uh, production trailer for the Bank Heist movie on my YouTube channel. But yeah, I, okay. I like film because it's challenging, and and one of the things mm-hmm. that you said, you know, is so true, and a lot of people don't realize it. First of all, making a movie is hurry up and wait. Okay, that's the nature of making a movie. You know, get get to where mm-hmm. you have to go, get set up, and then wait for everything to happen. And then the yep. other part is the challenge of show don't tell. You know, to be able to put something right. in painting together that people can watch but you don't have to sit there and spoon-feed the audience everything. I don't like that about uh, a lot of American movies, you know, right. that, that people, people you know, get in the habit of sitting there and having every nuance explained to them. You know, like even if you have, what is that? Oh, if you have a uh, a mystery, somehow you have to, put things in act one that will give the listener or the uh, viewer hints about what's going to happen in the third act so that they feel smart, so that they don't, they don't get lost, you know, and I, I, right. I would rather create movies and write books that, that take into account, you know, the fact that somebody's going to want to read something where, you know, when in the first chapter, they don't go, oh, I know how they're going to fix this. You know, at the end of the uh, at the end of uh, of the story, you know, I want right. to have my ending to be unexpected. I want them to be ironic. I want them to be, you know, because that's what people remember most when they're coming out of a movie. You know, how how right. did it end? They spent two yep. hours sitting in there, and there you go. Yeah, somebody right. put in there in the chat room, dumbing down the creative process, and so much of that happens. Mm-hmm. Look at look at these yes. look at these TV shows. You know, I'll tell you a TV show that I'm really disappointed in. I'm disappointed in the TV show of The Flash. Okay? 
Oh, you know, yeah. It's, it's like, yeah. yeah, let's let's write this for the dumbest Flash DC, you know, consumer out there. And and I would really, I would like to see, you know, I'll tell you some shows that I did like. I liked, um, I liked The Last Ship, that military show about the end of the world. You know, where yes. they had, uh, yes. you know, I, I enjoyed that for two reasons. First of all, they had some real military advisors on there. And second of all, right. It was it was a show that depicted the best in people when they pull themselves when they pull together. That's that's right. kind of like a cool thing, you know. And and then what else do I like? All right, I like The Walking Dead because I like seeing stupid white people getting eaten by uh, by uh, uh, I enjoy that. I enjoy yeah. the fact that people do that. I enjoy the fact that they are so stupid. That they will, they'll go into a herd of zombies thinking they're gonna get someplace. Um, right. You know, I like that. Uh, someone tried to turn me on to the Orville, but you know what? Seth MacFarlane yeah. is not a very even writer. He's not a very good writer. Um, right. And and you know his writing is inconsistent. So I I don't even know. You know, I I, I looked at some of those dramas. I did like Luke Cage. I did like. Mm-hmm. What was the other one? Jessica Jones. Uh, there was Daredevil, Jessica Jones, Jessica Jones yeah. and Daredevil Punisher. Was fun. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, someone in the in the uh, chat room says The Walking Dead really sucks, but no, no, it does not suck. Not in terms of stupid white people getting bit by zombies. No, it's that's top notch entertainment. <laughs> um, so, and, and so when I when I look at you know the kinds of movies I want to go see, I don't jump up and go and see the latest. Uh, What's the big thing? Oh, Star Wars came out this weekend. Right. To a yeah. wide review. I'm going to wait. You know, I'm not in a hurry. Yeah. I'm not I'm yeah. not enamored by it. You know, it's not that great writing. It's Disney, for God's sake. When was the last right. time Disney did something to critical acclaim other than uh, great animation, great man. song? Yeah. You know, that sort of thing. You know, it, it just doesn't yeah. happen. So... You know, in terms of entertainment, I want to produce entertainment that people, people who have some sense, want to go to. Okay. Oh, somebody said uh, Star Trek: The Next Generation. Well, that was okay. Star Trek: Discovery, waste of my time. I wasn't happy with mm-hmm. it. You know, that first yeah. episode was ridiculous. All that exposition, yeah. all that BS, and trying to build believable characters. Bad makeup on what's her name? You know, come on. You know, I, I'm I'm used yeah. to a certain level of, you know, if if uh, if Wanda Sykes can come on stage and have flawless makeup, they could do the same damn thing <laughs> in a movie or a TV show. Okay, that's no, all I, I agree. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, oh, so Jarvis says here that he's leaving in 40 minutes to go see Star Wars. Tell me. Uh, Al says it was star. It was okay, but not great. Which is what you expect out of the Star Wars universe. It's not yeah. great, but it'll be entertaining. You'll sit there, you'll be entertained. You know, right? Um, yeah, and that's the thing. It's just like, you know, when we look at these franchises that have made billions, and you know, within merchandise and you know, ticket sales, and you start right. to think about it, you're like. Really? <laughs> like, okay, you know, there's so many amazing stories out there. And the other thing is, you know, Hollywood is intellectually bankrupt, man. This, this is why they're going to 
video games and comic books and remakes and all this kind of stuff in. It's it's uh it's interesting what's what's going on right now, man, in, in the land of television and film. And and I, I firmly believe that uh creator owned content is the revolution. And you know, it's it's definitely going to be something where eventually creator owned content is going to be able to compete on some level, you know, of course not millions of dollars, right? Um, but on some well, level of... You may be right, and not and you're right about the not maybe millions of dollars to start with. Mm-hmm. But right. Here's, but here's what's happening. There are so many content purveyors, okay? There are so many conduits, so many channels of you know, because content is king, everybody's struggling to grab the most content they have. You got, you know, who are the players? Well, you got all kinds of players. You got Netflix, Hulu, Amazon, right? Uh, I Crackle. mean, on and on, stars, uh, on and on and on. Yeah. You probably got yep. about fifty distributors of content now that we did not have five years ago. So, mm-hmm. so the threshold to getting your stuff out there is a little bit lower but it's still tough to get noticed at the very beginning. Right. If you have something, right. the chances of you getting, getting that kind of exposure or somebody taking a chance, the chances are higher. You know, I've got somebody yes. to my stuff to Amazon right now um, thinking that, well, if Amazon, and Amazon's looking for, I think, a television property that they could pump like up to 1.2 million bucks an episode in. Well, that's that's respectable money. You know, that's pretty good. Yeah, absolutely. That's money. That's pretty good acting money. So, so yeah. You know, take take a mature product like yours. You can, you've had it out for a while. That you know, there there is a chance. You know, if you can get right. to that threshold where people are mentioning your stuff and going, okay, this is good, then then there there are so many people who are starving for content that they can push out there to people that that will be that have a chance. That right. that's something to look forward to. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. And you go ahead. Hello? Oh, I'm sorry. Oh okay. no, I was just gonna no. say, um yeah, I was just you know, looking at different contracts of, of some of these um, streaming services, like a Netflix, you know. Okay, yeah. It's like the contracts for that is, you know, that's, it again, it doesn't really favor the creator, right? They, they say, okay, it's only going to be streamed on Netflix for this amount of time, and this is the only check you're going to get. There are no royalties. There are no residuals. Nothing, you know. Oh, so as yeah. a creator, you're like, oh man, okay. Uh, <laughs> I don't, I don't know, you know, because I mean, Netflix obviously they they have their platform, but as far as you know, every and not everybody has Netflix though, right? So you got to make a decision to say, okay, huh, do I do I take this bag here and then go off and do something else, or wait till this, you know. Um, this licensing 
terminates, which they might try to right. keep it for ten years or something crazy like that. You know, right. like it's again, it's 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 uh, and that was just like Netflix. I don't, and I think Apple's trying to do their own streaming service or something, where and and Disney's trying to do their own now. So it's just like, all right, well, I, I mean, that's the well, way it is. Here's why that's happening. I'll tell you exactly why that's happening. Content creators are desperate little trolls. Yeah, I said it mm-hmm. because somebody has to say it. Yeah. Content creators yeah. are desperate little trolls, and they will sign any deal because they think that it will get their name out there and that that will sustain them until they make it big. Right. Okay. That may or may not happen, the whole making it big part. But, yeah. but really, the content, the content streamer, you know, the people who who send it out there, they really do have the industry kind of by the butt right now, even though there's so many of them. You know, you could, if, right. if let's say if Netflix came to me and said, okay, we want to make a miniseries out of this, we want it to run for five years, and that's it, you know, and, and we may or may not ever run it again. I'd have to look at that mm-hmm. and say, okay, I'd have to balance what's the visibility going to be for me. And I'm not going to yep. immediately you know, sign that contract just because somebody threw it in my face and said, Hey, right. we're gonna make uh you know, we're gonna we're gonna make your dreams come true because normally that doesn't happen. You know, that's why right. you go get yourself an entertainment lawyer. That's why you you get somebody who's been in the business and knows what to negotiate and, and what to even ask for. Plus they're gonna know better what the prevailing rates for X, Y and are so they could at least let you know that you're not getting ripped off. A lot of people don't do right. that because 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 content creators are desperate. They're just desperate little people, you know. And I, and, yes. and they're not very bright. Let me tell you. Let me because you don't live in Chicago. Let me tell you what the uh, up until a few years ago. Here's what a black author's business plan was in Chicago. I'm going to write my book. Okay. I'm going to hand it to Oprah. I'm going to have Oprah put it on her show, and then I'm on Easy Street. That was their business plan. Exactly. exactly. Yeah, that's that was you know Oprah that doesn't was, even have a show. That's, 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 that's just stupid. Yeah, but you know even <laughs> when she had her show, first of all, she had a 28 year old white lady right reading all that stuff. You know. Right. And and then when she got burned a couple times because she did not do her due diligence, then she when she chose Charles Dickens. And I forget which book uh, he chose. I, I knew the jig was up. Yeah. yeah. You know, but that's not yeah. a business plan. A business plan is not assuming that someone else is going to do your hard work for you. You know, mm-hmm. I, I've been I've been published since two thousand nine. I, I feel very fortunate that in two thousand seventeen I have the visibility I have. You know, that I have the nice. reviews that I have, yeah. that I have that I have the invitations that I'm getting. But you know what? It didn't happen because Oprah did it. It it happened right. because I did it, you know. And to sit yep. around and assume someone else is going to do your work for you, I think is rather foolish. Um, you know, one one thing that I learned was uh, that was pretty important was people won't buy a series unless all the all the numbers uh, all the books of a series are out. You know why? Exactly. Because a lot of people will start a series and then they don't see those big sales numbers that they thought for the first book in a series, and then they don't write the second book or the third book or fourth book or whatever. And so what I'm right. doing is I'm I'm almost done with a second trilogy. I'm going to publish them all about all next year, all at one time. Nice. Boom. All three are yeah. going to hit at one time. And I'm going to do that for two reasons. I'm going to do that obviously because I want to get 
uh, faster ramp up to sales. But also I have friends who can nominate me for Hugo and Nebula Award because they all came out right. in the same year. So, yeah. you know, again, I still have to do the work. I still have to keep doing the writing. I still have to keep the contacts and the networking and, and go to Worldcon and go to Boston or Boston, Boston whatever, Boston. And, yeah. and I have to do that to keep my name out there because people are fickle and people forget. Um, now, for you, what what do you have, you know, that you're doing actively to keep your name out there? You mentioned going to the uh, convention, which, which helps yes. a lot because once people at least find your name and if they like you, you know, word of mouth is not bad. Word of mouth is very no. compelling. People always very powerful a review from a friend. Right. So, so what other kinds of strategies are you employing? So um, one of the strategies um, I employ is speaking engagements um, involving children. So um, I, with another gentleman, we go to uh, a, um, not an elementary school, a middle school, and we do a workshop. So for creating, you know, comic books and creative writing and increasing literacy and that kind of thing. So right. um, there's that. And then, you know, I also go to um, different organizations and present what it is that I'm doing and speak at their, you know, different events and things like that. And uh, right. just different vending opportunities. You know, it, it might be a um, a bazaar happening or not so much a flea market, but some type of themed event where I can have a table and, you know, talk to people. So, like, uh, we have this annual dragon boat festival where um you know they race dragon boats at this particular lake uh in the uh-huh. summer well there's all type of cultural things going on at that so that's a perfect opportunity to you know sit down and talk to people and you know present my my works and things like that so i'm always looking for different festivals and events um it's just a it's, it's a grind man it's just getting out there and you know, I'm a I'm a fan of a lot of these um, you know entrepreneurs like a Dave Banner or a Damon Dash or a Master P, and, and I really listen to their formulas and how they got their work out there and, and made millions. And um, it's it's interesting how they all have a similar uh, model, uh, if you will, to push their product and just kind of you know push the envelope um what see people sometimes when they see uh the website and the comic book and stuff like that you know uh-huh. they think they're just going to get an actual you know just the comic book itself but you know they get more than that you know i i make sure that it arrives in a package with the asset of the gods logo on the mailer you know um they open up the book they get a handwritten note um they get stickers and uh bookmarks and all these little subtle things um sure perks that you know yeah absolutely you have to do that because number one you want to set yourself apart from because there's so much so much stuff out there you want to give mm-hmm. people an impression that hey thank you so much for taking the time to purchase this and these are the things that you didn't know you were getting but you got 
you know. So uh, for my international customers, because shipping is ridiculous, right, I always throw in extra stuff like they get posters and stuff that they didn't actually order, but because they're international, I just send that to them anyway as an extra token and say, wow, you're in Germany and you purchased my book. Thank you so much. Oh, wow, you're in uh, Paris. You know, thank you so much. And uh, it it's an extra investment, but I think it goes a long way. And that's the other thing is as creators, we can't be scared to invest in ourselves. I, I, I mean, right. I've spent about $11,000 on this project so far. And right. I don't even blink because I know the potential that this has, and I, I believe in myself so much that I'll I'll continue to invest, <laughs> you know, with with without a question. And you know, my wife kind of like, you know, she might raise her eyebrows a little bit, and I say, "Hey, babe," you know, <laughs> she'd be like, "You're spending what?" Like, yeah. But look at the exposure. Look at the look at the reviews. Look at what people are saying. Right, that goes a long way. You know? Yeah. One of the things I do is, um, uh, you know, and I'm fortunately, well, you know, not everybody's going to hear this, but one of the things I do is when I find someone who has purchased one of one or more of the volumes in my trilogy, I send them artwork suitable for framing of the book covers. Nice. You know, I, I, I spent extra money, <clears throat> excuse me, on a solid ink printer that when it prints that out, it looks absolutely gorgeous. I sign the uh, the artwork at the bottom, and I send mm-hmm. that to them in the mail as a thank you because yes. um, I want I want to thank people for supporting me and my work. Now, if I all absolutely. of a sudden become a bestseller and I'm selling thousands a week, I'm pretty right. sure that's going to quit. I'm pretty sure yeah. that that's, or, or I'm going to have to find a, a cheaper way of doing it Right, but yeah, but you're absolutely right. You know, people who help you get started deserve to be acknowledged. You know, and, and absolutely, at least in my way of thinking. You know, my first books were long. You know, they were two hundred twenty thousand words a piece. That's a long book. Mm. It's a little bit yeah. of an expensive book to to get. I think it's like between twenty and twenty three dollars retail. So, okay. you know, being able to send them a thank you for, for for doing that is a big damn deal for me, you know, because, absolutely, you know, thank, thank you for getting out. And it has, it's paid off, you know. I'm, I'm invited to book fairs now. I'm heading out to, like, Portland, Oregon next year and, you know, other places and, and stuff like that. And uh, I, the other part about, doing what I do, being a creator, is actually meeting the people who have read my work. You know, not everybody's done right. it. And when I meet them and they're enthusiastic and they go, well, well what's next? And I tell them, well, I'm going to be dropping a whole trilogy in 2018. Then they get excited. Jeez. They go, oh, man, when's that yeah. going to happen? And I go, well, as soon as I possibly can. Yeah. So, Isn't that an amazing I, I like, feeling? I, it is, I and I like the concept of giving back because you know what, there there's a value added proposition to having fans, you know, um, yeah. not fans like in that movie Misery. You remember that movie with James Bond? <laughs> what's her name? Bro, when she That's, hit your boy with the sledgehammer, I was done. Oh, oh man. my god! 
I, I do not want any stalkers <laughs> like that. I already have one fan who's mad at me for something that happened in one of my books. And, oh, and no. So I, oh, yeah. She didn't like the fact that somebody died. And the first thing when she said that was, oh, shoot. You know, I thought about misery. I thought about, uh, what was it? oh, Kathy Bates. Kathy Bates. Right. Knocking his ankles. So, uh, but, but, you know, that aside, you still want to get feedback from your fans. Now, have you ever right. gotten any critical feedback? And, and how do you handle that when it happens? You know, so far I haven't gotten any critical feedback as the plot and the story or the characters. Uh huh. Um, and, and yeah, and maybe as the issues go along, you know, and people get more involved and they see how the story goes, we we may see some things like that. But you know, when when I was um, coming up as an artist, a visual artist, drawing and painting, um, my dad kind of was very instrumental in thickening my skin as far as criticism. Oh, good. You know, he said, you know, you got to learn how to take criticism. So if I would draw something, you know, I used to love drawing Predator, right? And uh, Okay, yeah. Yeah, I would draw it, and he would say, oh, that looks good, man, but let's look at this here, look at his arm, and look at how it's positioned, and the human arm only moves this certain way and this doesn't really look right. So go back and fix that and, you know, um, you know, you can make it look better, you know? And Mm -hmm. from, from that aspect and that training, you know, I take it as, okay, if there is absolutely something that I can improve on and it's truth in that and not, you know, just, you know, being a, a hater. Yeah, I guess, somebody, somebody like crapping on you. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. You know, like yeah. I am always the type of person to really take a look at that and filter it to say, you know what, they're right. There was a continuity issue, or yeah, that doesn't make sense, or you know, hmm, that character that particular scene looks out of place for that character, you know, so I'm really interested and really looking forward to getting real feedback from people to say, hey, man, I love your story, but I hated how this happened, you know, and maybe we can come to, you know, where I can explain why or, you know, I can have them explain why they felt that way and just have a dialogue with people, you know, as a creator, you know, I'm not one of these artists that's like, you know, I'm so amazing that I can't do no wrong. Like, nah, like, I'm I'm trying to be the best that I can. And if you're not criticized and you don't get feedback, how can you really gauge how well you're doing, you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, that, I mean, that, that's actually very, very healthy. Um, a lot of people don't have the benefit of your perspective. And, and what happens is when they get criticism, they take it as an invalidation of self, that somehow they are not worthy. Somehow they are, they have failed as a person. And that's a tough, tough thing to overcome. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, being able to separate your your work that you may be new at, you know, some sort of nascent talent from mm-hmm. 
who you are as a person is very, very important. And, and a lot of people get discouraged, and it's tough, you know, to, to even watch because especially if they've done something great and then all of a mm-hmm. sudden, you know, okay, so there were some flaws or there was this or whatever, and then to have them go, oh, you know, you hated my work. I'm not going to do this anymore. Right. And, you know, you kind of shake your head and you go, well, you know, what could have been? Did we watch right. the destruction of what could have been? Did we watch the 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 ending of, of something that could have been pretty, pretty cool, you know? So yeah, absolutely. that's, that, that's, that's a healthy, that's a healthy attitude that you have. Um, yeah, man, my parents, you know, um, you know, they, they, they were amazing parents, you know, um, we weren't wealthy, you know, but we had, we were wealthy in love and we were wealthy in attention, you know, um, and then my, my sister has always been a huge fan of anything I've done. She's been, you know, it, it didn't matter what it was. She was always there. If I was acting in a, a theatrical production, you know, she was she was right there checking me out. So I've really been fortunate uh, to have a support system, you know, in my family, you know, in my closest friends and, sure. um, you know, my whole life. And, you know, my son's a – I'm watching my son grow up, and he's creating – a comic book universe. And I'm like, wow, you know, I didn't create a comic book universe when I was nine. You know, I didn't start doing that until I was an adult. So I'm looking at him like, oh man, this little dude might be, he might be the business man. So I want to cultivate him, you know, as much as, you know, as he's into it, you know, right. Um, right. Just you don't want to push him. Done. Right, yeah, you don't want right, to push right. him like I, a psychotic you know. soccer mom or something, yeah. <laughs> yeah, bro, like that. I'm, I don't want to do this anymore. It's not fun. And that's the thing is as long as you're having fun, I'm going to have fun with you. You know, I'm going to be there yeah. to support. And, you know, I'm going to uh, I'm gonna be your biggest fan. And, you know, that's the other thing as far as, you know, being a creative. Like, dude, I have so much fun creating these stories. And I I get such a kick out of, you know, after somebody reads it and they're looking at me like, yo, where's the next one? Like, I'm hooked, you know, and yeah. it's, it's just an amazing feeling, you know. I, sure. I can't describe it. But you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. A little bit. Not, not well, yeah, sort yeah, oh, okay, yeah, a little, yeah, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I had yeah. to think about it for yeah. a second, but yeah, I do. <laughs> now, you know, in, 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 in getting to where you are today, okay, mm-hmm. you know, with, with, with uh, with your business right where it is today, what's yes. what's been the hardest lesson that you've had to learn so far? The hardest lesson for me has been how can I put this? Um, when you allow certain people into your world and they don't they may not have the best interest at heart but you may be friends like right. friends friends in business doesn't always mix it very rarely two friends can build a business and you know grow together and 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 both be successful at the same time what i've learned is that if there's someone that I'm approaching to do business with, artists or 
you know, um, approaching someone to do a commission artwork because content is king, right? Um, sure. Doing, being in that you're a business person, and then so you want to make sure that that person knows that, listen, I pay artists whatever they ask for. All I ask is that you, you know, they put their 100% into what it is. And then if the relationship continues and then we develop a friendship, then it's a little different because we started out doing business first and now we've developed a friendship and we've a, a certain level of understanding. So they know that when it's business, it's absolutely business. Right. And when, you know, I'm visiting you to go to a con and you're visiting me to go to a con together, now we're developing a relationship. And that's the thing. It's like relationships are so important because they, number one, they help you build character, you know, and, and they, they definitely tell you who you are in your integrity and as a person. So when you're moving at the speed of business and you're creating these things, you learn how to maneuver and you learn patterns within people, right? So, you know, well, I know this guy, this artist is going to, because of the pattern, he says that this is the deadline or or that this is the day he'll have the artwork, but I know it'll actually be this day, you know, and understanding that. And this artist likes to work under pressure. So if I go to this artist and say, yo, man, I got to have this done in three days, and they put some kick butt workout because I put the pressure on them because that's when they perform. And and I think being a business owner and a leader, you start to notice and develop those things. Right. So then your project becomes even better because you're able to identify right those those different aspects in in managing people, but treating people to the highest integrity that you can because they're going to remember how you made them feel, you know. Um, yeah, I, I call a reputation for. Yeah, sure, I, I call that I call that managing expectations. Mhm. Absolutely. Because yep. because because you know business is business, friends are friends. There are friends, mm-hmm. like you said, if you do business with somebody, you're probably and you do it frequently and you spend a lot of time together, you're probably going to build a friendship. Right. You know, you're probably go because. You know, you can't really work with people you don't really like. I mean, I suppose it can be done. I prefer not to do it. Yeah. Right. I'd rather just, you know, if if somebody messes with me, I'd rather just shoot them and move on. Um, because <laughs> I, well, okay. Let's, here's my philosophy. If somebody does me dirt, I'll go nuclear first because it's cheaper and quicker. And the, right. the way I, I see that is I don't want, someone to get a rock, then I get a rock. I don't want someone to get a stick, and then I get a stick. I don't want them to get a brick, then I get a brick. You know, I don't want, I want to do the nuclear option and clear the table right away so that I could go on right. with my life. Okay? Yeah. And, and you know, yep. it, it, it is funny, but it is true. This is how I treat it. Um, you know, mm. Chicago's got a lot of sewers. You can cut up and drop them all over the city if you want to. Not that I would, but I've right. heard. 
but but you know what? <laughs> the thing <laughs> the the thing is is that it, it, in the final analysis, it is a business, and I think I mean obviously you have hit it on the head. You know, you got you have to be about the business of doing business, and then once that's satisfied, or once you reach the point where you have corresponding expectations and you guys are get you know everybody has the same understanding they're on the same page everything does seem to work out um yeah uh so anyway um we've got we got about we got a little less than 10 minutes here conversely you know you you've been through a lot and you know you've got you, you know you mentioned that your wife is one of your biggest advocates and things like that um, mm-hmm. What what have been what's been like the best part of you having embarked on this this kind of endeavor? Embarked on on becoming the, the creative that you are. I think for me is seeing the disparity in blacks representation and black for lack of a better word melanated or whatever you want to call it um and actually wanting to do something about it and seeing the reactions from children and adults and just people that say wow this is this is amazing like this is really cool or this dude looks like my dad you know Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. that that has been really uh a, a very satisfying, uh, you know, feeling for me. And then also watching my son desire to create as well. Um, and, and what I tell kids whenever I'm, you know, in front of them uh, talking about imagination and creativity, right? Um, right. Imagination and creativity is how we have our society that we have now because everything you see that's man-made it was in someone's brain first it was a thought you know sure and uh you know the other thing is is teaching about you know entrepreneurship because you know i can't pass a job down to my my children um so wanting to have something of your own is just no no matter it, it it doesn't matter how big or small it is, it's yours. So, right. you know, as long as you place a value on that, then, you know, other people will see the value in that as well. So it's it's been an amazing journey. Um, you know, there's there's obviously always been ups and downs. You know, I started a clothing line back in 2009, and this was another idea that came to my mind when I was in the hospital recovering. Uh, Urban Arcanum, and that's what it started out as. It started out as a, a clothing line, and um, you know, it's it's still around. I still wear my own clothes. I make you know everything, and uh, mm-hmm. but it didn't you know take off like I would have liked it to, and um, you know that's okay because the Urban Arcanum is not just clothing. It's not just it's it's a movement. So when I said okay, I'm gonna publish work under Urban Arcanum, now mm-hmm. it it has legs to do more than just what I thought in my finite 
uh, thought process. So, you know, producing films and screenplays and, you know, of course, you know, I want to do a novel one day. Um, So it's just been everything comes full circle. And, And as a creative, sometimes we get in our own way because we can only see it, you know, for what we think it should be when the divine may have a larger plan you know, or the universe may say, yeah, but this is so much bigger than your idea because, you know, these are all the things that, you know, encompass that, like uh, philanthropy and, you know, talking to kids and encouraging people. You know, all those things are aspects of Urban Arcanum, and I never intended that. Mm-hmm. So it's it's amazing to see. And... uh you know, it's it, we can only grow from here. So I'm I'm excited and I'm you know just humbled by you know the opportunity to to speak with you know individuals like yourself and 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 learn about you. And I'm definitely gonna cop dark side and that whole. <laughs> that's, you know, I'm gonna follow you because you know no seriously like you know it's not just it's not just about creative supporting each other, but when I see or hear about something and you're a creative, I know the process. Mm-hmm. I, you yeah. know, I don't know your exact process, but I know what the process is going from brain to typing or, you know, from imagining it to actually it's a physical, tangible thing. It exists. So, yeah. you know, I'm yeah. definitely going to support, and, and I try to support as many independent creators as, I, as my wife will let me. You know, there's tons of Kickstarters out there, bro, that I'm like, yo, that's dope. Like, you know, and it's 25 bucks here, 50 bucks there, you know, and I'm just like, oh, man. And, you know, it yeah. adds up. But, you know, when you get that product in the mail and you forgot about it because it was six months ago. I don't know why it takes so long for Kickstarter creators to get stuff to people. But, you know, well, you forget I, you know about what? it and it just shows up. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm actually going to have to uh, put together a campaign, I'll probably use GoFundMe, um, next year okay. in order to get all three of these volumes out at one time because that's very yeah. expensive to do. Oh, yeah, printing uh, is ridiculous. And, and you know, editing, the artwork for the right. covers, all of that, you know, it all mm-hmm. adds up. You know, we're talking about thousands of dollars. And, yep. and I you know, I don't know what kind of support I'm going to get. Of course, I'm going to appreciate everything I get. But um, yeah, and and I don't I don't tell the people I interview about my work to get them. You know, I'm not pimping my stuff. Um, yeah. But but as a creator, we share a lot of experiences that that I like talking about and and like talking about right. in front of other people because not everybody has gotten to the point where I am, or not everybody has done what you've done, and and sometimes exactly. talking about the process can help other people decide the best path to take or at least not to fall into some of the holes I fell into or you fell into or whatever. Right. So that yep. that's a good thing. Um you know, we're we got we got about a minute to go. I want to close out the show. Let me do this. Uh why don't you stay on after the show ends in case anybody has any last minute questions in the chat room I'll pop them okay. out. I think you're not in there. Sure. And um, I want to thank everybody who is in the chat room, who listened to this live, 
And also, all of you people who picked us up as a podcast because your support is essential to us doing what we do here. Jarvis took off to go see uh, Star Wars movies, so he's not going to close out the show. I'm going to do an abbreviated okay. version of everybody out there. You know, take a look at EarthSquadron.com to see you know, where are our 3D movies at in terms of production. Um, Jarvis actually built himself a studio, so the projects through BlackScienceSociety.com, and uh, I hope people will support what we do, you know, going forward. Uh, it's, it's, in a lot of ways, it's a labor of love, but that doesn't mean you just want to announce that I'm still writing my novel day by day, hating William. Yes. You know, I, I'm sorry. You know, I apologize. You know that that I, I I will be I will be very honest. I was very lucky to come up with a plot that nobody ever ever had done before. You know because you know how it is. You go to a writing class and go, oh no, all the stories have been told. All you can do is a variation. Oh yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Who, who wrote about black folks hiding out on the moon? And everybody gets real quiet. So I like that. Sorry, I'm not, I'm not gonna lie. Right. But anyway, I want to thank everybody who listens, and uh, good night to all of you. And hang on, Anubis, um, and, and we will uh, everybody else. I'll see you all back here next week. Okay, here's the situation. Our daughter Mia is leaving for her first sleepover. We have friends coming to stay, and we just got a puppy. So I go on Instacart and solve everything in one order from Kohl's. Fun PJs for Mia. Oh, new bedding for the guest room. And a vacuum cleaner that actually picks up pet hair. All delivered in as fast as 30 minutes. With Kohl's on Instacart, there's no such we can't fix. Visit instacart.com to get free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. $10 minimum order. Additional terms apply.